Welcome to the Creative Play and Podcast Network. Join us as we review our favorite RPGs, collectible card games, MMOs, video games, PC games, and bring up interesting topics and things that we'd like to share with everyone. Sit back and enjoy the show. This is Kelly, a.k.a. Trixie from Ragnarok and Roll, assigned to Ragnarok Story, and Tilda Wimblewick from D&D Journey of the Fifth Edition. First off, I would just like to say thank you to everyone for listening to our varied adventures, as well as for rating us on iTunes and RPGpodcast.com. If you haven't rated us yet, we would greatly appreciate it if you could. And if you're looking for more ways to support our efforts, we are now on Patreon, a great site where you can help us continue making more podcasts, as well as some special surprises for our patrons. If you can, please look us up at www.patreon.com cppn. Every little bit helps. And again, thank you for listening. Yes. I mean, I ended up here. <laughs> anyway, I, uh, 
I'm from Utah, so again, I don't belong again. Did you do that unicorn book? No. 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 Did you somebody else? Well, I didn't say what I do. I always get, I always forget. Oh, yeah, I do toy design. I, I'm, I'm under 10 packs of tiger, and I do fashion stuff, and I, with, I've been doing marketing for comic book stores. I did marketing for Heroes and Villains here in Tucson and Toys Inc. and uh, some stuff at Tucson Comic Con. I've done a bunch of things. <laughs> but um, yeah, so reaching your audience. So um, you guys sell stuff, obviously make things, and along with that, there is marketing yourself. So um, let's start off with. Uh, you guys work for some companies here and there, which they do have their marketing teams and they do market whatever books that you are putting out. Um, how much marketing do you have to do yourself? Like whether it's social media or um, yeah, like a, it, even sometimes you would not have to do anything at all. Or well, I have had the uh, I've had a lot of jobs, and one of them was being a journalist, and thankfully I had to answer a lot of emails, so I saw every kind of press release possible. So um, I encourage you to look at a press release, see what you're sending out, and then building a press list, and sending it out to people, and making relationships with the press. Um, whether you, I mean, I assume you all want to make stuff, and that stuff, there's like a core group of people that are really into that stuff. And nine times out of 10, they're writing about it for free. They're not getting paid to do it. They're, you know, you're probably writing about it yourself inadvertently on Twitter and Facebook and stuff. So you make these connections. And I did that with comics where I was writing about comic books and I started my own blog and then I started writing for a, um, a comic book blog, a blog called comicsweek.com. And uh, this guy right here helped me get nominated for a Shell Dorf Award. So, that made me sound cool for a hot minute. <laughs> Tell them what Sheldorf created. Uh, he created the, uh, he helped create the uh, San Diego Comic Con. Yes. Yeah, and he And, and Sheldon on Big Bang Theory is named after Sheldorf. Oh, okay, cool, I did not know that. But uh, yeah, so I started with that. trivia. Yeah, Steve's huge drift, starring us. Uh, no, but then you've got to like talk to those people and make those connections. And then also, I used to work for a marketing agency, and there's something called inbound marketing. And I encourage everyone to look that up, because that taught me something that I would have never learned because I never went to college. Uh, I had to go to school, stay in school, don't do drugs is the other one that I would say. Or do a lot of drugs because that's a lot of fun. But no, but, but yeah, just like talking to the press is the best thing you can do, and being a professional on the internet because everything you say will come back to you. That's my biggest advice. Shannon, what do you, what do you think? Or, I was gonna, I was gonna yeah, well, what do you guys say? For me, I mean, social media. You mentioned social media, and that's mm -hmm. that's a a given. But maybe I could just speak to some of the mistakes I see people making on social media. One is I think they'll they'll get an, an account <coughs> or try to maintain an account on a platform that they don't like. And I think you have to, to love the platform that you're on to be effective or else you're, you're kind of forcing it. And like a lot of people will post to, you know, they'll auto post to a platform. My sister's a big blogger 
that she's a, she's a, a green person, and nothing about green, but she's way greener than I am. So like her skin's green? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> she, she's an anti-plastic person, but she's got one of the biggest blogs out there on that, and she's got hundreds of thousands of followers, and she'll auto-post to Facebook. Well, her Facebook is ignored. So, but her blog is does really well, and her she's really good on Twitter. So I would suggest if, if you know a lot of people try to maintain a, an account on everything, and it, it's almost unsustainable when you when you when you spend so much time. If you're spending you know two or three hours a day on on social media, it's probably wasted. You know, so you got to you got to make it work for you. One of the things that works for me is I've got a YouTube channel, and so I'm I'm trying to upload weekly for a while I'm for for like two years I was weekly and now I've kind of backed off a little bit because I really want the content that I put out there to be really impactful and that's another mistake that I see people making is they'll, they'll put out contact content because they've committed to a certain amount of time but the content they, they put out is mundane I mean you can't be amazing all the time right um, and that will tend to, to lose your audience and so um, Anyway, I think putting out really, really important content when you do put, or content when you do put it out there is super important. Yeah, you, being sincere goes a long way. Yeah. Being sincere and consistent, too. And, um, yeah, can you chime in? Uh, yeah, I was gonna, that's what I kind of wanted everybody to talk about. So my background, having been where I'm either doing my own stuff or I'm working for giant mega corporations that are perfectly happy to have their entire 200-person marketing team take care of it, but still, as a creator, I tend to embrace things that I'm on. If I'm on a team, if I'm on Team Spider-Man this month, then I am all about like promoting our show. Like Disney's doing it too, but they don't need to. But I want everybody that I work with to be involved in that. I think there's there's a huge community out there that's very receptive, and it's 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 really hard to get out there unless you're a narcissist and say how awesome you are all the time. But it's pretty easy to get out there and say how awesome everybody you work with is, mm -hmm. or how much you know your friend's book is awesome. And it's a great way to put yourself out there and you're being genuine, but you're not, if you're not comfortable going, man, I'm great, check it out, dot com, um, all the time, then there's a way to do it where you're basically throwing the love around everybody else. And so that's kind of my trick to the, the whole social marketing thing, because I really don't like <coughs> talking about how awesome I am. Despite yeah, look at me, look at me, look at yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's basically what Twitter is. It's, it's right. bragger.com, you know, so um, right. um, if you can find a way that is genuine to you and you're still getting a message out, which is, you know, you know I'm, a, I'm in this business and it's all part of the community and I take pride in the shows I do work on, the projects I work on, so if something's coming up, I'll, I'll brag about it coming up, but, you know, I always try to make sure that I'm, I'm focused more on all the people I get to work with. Because to me, that's that's what's fun about this. Because the whole being in an office by yourself, drawing all week, so you can go, hey kid, check this out. You know, that's that's not that's the least favorite part of the of the job is being by yourself all the time. Um, uh, I, I try to make this as much a social of uh, event as possible. I, I teach a cow arts too every now and then. And just tell the kid, like, you know, if you're not really sure about the art thing, you know, the music department is right down the hall, and you know, you get instant gratification as a rock star. And you've got just as much of a shot of going somewhere as you do doing what we do. There's no guarantees in anything no. creative. No, no. It's guaranteed. And even when you break in, it's a constant staying in the business. You gotta break in every job you're on. 
Yes. Yeah. It's hard to break in, but it's, it's you, you don't you don't ever get a job and they're like, well, great, you work at Disney now, you'll be here till you're retired. Yeah. It's not a thing. Yeah, they, they like to say that breaking in is easier. No, the breaking breaking in is hard, but staying in the business is harder because you have to be good and prolific and work on your next project and always have that in the bank, right? And so that you are done with something, you're already starting something else. Uh, yeah, just uh, you know, also going to the conventions that are more feasible for you. Like, uh, who's your who wants to make comics? Raise your hand. Yeah. Okay. Who wants to make film? So it's all comics? Because I'm a formal education of film writing, I kind of backing up. I, I'm, I'm more like the guy who loves to act. You know, yeah, I wasn't done talking, so. stage or, or yeah, like yeah. on the camera, I'm more the acting than writing. Unless, you know, somebody says, we have no writer, can you write something? Yeah, that never happens too. Yeah. So, uh, but good yeah, luck. Right. Yeah, I mean, what I want to say, what I want to say is like, go to a con and have your book done and show them that, because they're going to be more willing to look at what's finished than what you can do. Like, I've worked at this booth, and people come to me, and I'm sure they come to you, and they have this their portfolio, and it's full of like Batman and Superman fighting and all these things, and it's like, well, we got those guys. Those guys are already have those jobs. So what can you do better than anybody else? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Thanks. So, um, yeah, the next question I have is, okay, so you're building your audience. Uh, when, um, how do you know what audience you're going for? Like, um, I, like for instance, I'm gonna use myself as an example. I've um, I've been I've done fashion design in the past where I went I went to school for fashion design I've done fa I've done fashion shows I've done all that and then I've done marketing for comic book stores and then I have toy design so I have these three different worlds where with my social media and everything that I use I try to keep like like on Instagram I use that mostly for toy design. I use my Facebook for like my personal life friends and know people I'm connected to and I post most of my toy design there. But then I have a separate page that I have that I use my fashion design and fashion show that I do on there. And um, then I do have my, my day job where I do marketing for like comic book stores. So it's a very different audience for all of those. Sometimes they are fine, sometimes they don't. But do you, have you guys ever had like any interesting experiences like reaching that kind of audience that you want that's looking for your product? Like you do children's books. So what do you do that's different than your other illustration work? Well, I was with that. So, you know, I, I my my YouTube channel is my main thing. I mean, I have an Instagram, it's pretty pretty decent, but and I use Facebook, but YouTube started out as an advice channel where I would just give advice on breaking into children's books. And then, I, I, it's a long story, but I ended up wanting to do some Comic-Con stuff, right? So in the process of doing that, I thought, well, if I just start posting Comic-Con stuff, then my children's book people are gonna, they're gonna not wanna follow my channel anymore because they're gonna be like, well, this isn't for me anymore. <coughs> so instead of, and I, and I probably got some follow-up, but what I did was I said, and this is, this is something that you can do, it's, it's not just YouTube, it's anything, press releases, it's anything. It's using your story. Because you, people are interested in stories. And sometimes even, 
they'll cross over if the story's interesting enough. So I said, my first Comic-Con video was something like, can a, can a stupid children's book illustrator sell art at Comic-Con, right? So immediately, the, it's got kind of a hook to it. And then I didn't know if I was gonna fall on my face or not, so I said, this could be a short video series, but I'm gonna post updates along the way and getting ready for it, the traveling to it, the, the, the selling at the first show, the licking my wounds after the first show, and so on and so forth. And it ended up being, I think I've got 10 or 12 videos on that, all the way up to making $10,000 at, at the, the show that I did the best at in Denver. And interestingly enough, the children's book people hung in there and would comment, like, I, I really don't ever see myself selling at Comic-Con, but that was really interesting and stuff. I'm sure some left, but I think you have to craft your message in a way that where you tell a story, because people are all interested in stories. And if you deviate and, and start feeding your people, like you've got different, and that's great to, to put different channels out there or, or use different uh, platforms. But if you if you kind of bait and switch and say, okay, now I'm gonna do this other thing, you, you really will probably lose a lot of what you built up over time. It happened, like I had a bit of a fall off when I stopped doing cosplay, because I used to do cosplay when I would do fashion design stuff, and I used to, I did that for a while, and then I, I just, didn't like doing cosplay anymore. <laughs> I just didn't care for it anymore. I realized I had more fun making costumes than wearing them. So I was once I dropped off with that and like announced that I wasn't going to do cosplay anymore. There was a fall off, and then I like brought in more toy design stuff. But it made up for it. I had more followers that like toy design, and some still stayed on. And yeah, that was interesting. Yeah. Uh, I was just gonna say, just the advantage of working for people with lots of money. I mean, hopefully all of you are wealthy. I am not, so usually when you're doing your own stuff, you know, you have to wear many hats. Uh, mine's a cowboy hat. Um, the social media and marketing are two different parts. And I see a lot of times people lump them together. A, they, we have to a lot because you don't have the funds to go hire somebody else. But if you do, Growing your brand doesn't always have to be you doing everything. Sometimes it's being smart enough to go, this is really not something I'm good at, and then finding the right person to do that for you. And that's the most successful people I've ever worked at, worked for, uh, Ted Turner, Mr. Barbera. They were all people that were really awesome at delegating to know when to go, you know, that dude's really good at that thing. You're in charge of that. I'm so a genius for hiring you. That guy's happy because he gets to do what he's good at. You're, you get to look good because you hired him. And it's, it's a really smart thing to do versus forcing yourself to get good at something that's just you're not good at. You know, it's good to understand how it works, but if it's really something that you're just, you, just, you just can't do it, you're not comfortable with it, then you can decide, is this a career, you know, do I want to go to movies this, this month or do I want to save up $400 to hire a social media guy to help me build this up into my career? And, there's so much sacrifice that goes into doing what we do, and I am always able to kind of weed out the people that want to do it, but they don't really ever want to give anything up. My college was not going out. Everybody has awesome college stories about parties and all that. I ran track in college, and that's how I paid for school. I ran seven hours a day, and I lifted weights with guys that went to the NFL. And then I went back to my room, and I drew for like 12 hours, and then I would do that over and over and over again for four years. That was me. I, I have no awesome college stories other than like being on buses with a whole bunch of dudes who, you know, were trying to out-party each other. You know, those are the kind of stories. <laughs> like, yeah. awesome. But 
it's a whole different kind of college experience yeah. probably than most people had. So it's like I gave up a lot to get to this dream job that I wanted. Um, so, and sometimes it's a, it's a financial give up. I gave up time and work. Um, sometimes it's a matter of going, you know, I'm not going on a vacation this year. I'm not buying an Xbox. I'm not buying DVDs. I'm going to take $5,000. I'm going to go print my own book. You know, so you gotta, you, know, you gotta decide how bad do you want it. And then once you make that decision, everything gets a lot easier. Still a lot of work out of you, but it's a lot easier once you commit to, I'm going to be sacrificing something. That was over there. Okay, all right. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. No, uh, yeah, what Shane said, basically. I mean, I was a journalist for two years and I got paid nothing. And I didn't make any comics that year because I couldn't afford to pay anybody to get it done, and I couldn't afford to print any comics. But uh, digital, you know, I say build your audience, build it, make something great. I just talked to a couple. They make this comic called Tripping Over You. They started putting it out for Ooh. free, and they made like ten thousand dollars to publish their last volume because they are committed to putting out a comic every two days two times a week and it's just they have a devoted fan base all around the world that's willing to give them money to make sure they keep it going so um, and also I was and I, I think Shannon I know he's really good at this but reaching out to different uh, minority groups and to the opposite sex um, just reaching out to people that you never would normally kind of work with or be around and kind of just going out and working with people that aren't like you because their situation and their point of view is much different and they know things you don't know. So I feel like, you know, a lot of the times you work with somebody that you really jive with, but they they probably have the same experience or they have the same kind of background. So I always try to look look out and find somebody that I've never worked with or I never would have known before and try to work with that person. That's a really good point. Because I mean, a lot of creatives love to have just the echo chamber where it's like, Tell me how great I am, but they don't really want to hear how they can get better, and so that's a really good point. That you, you're gonna you're gonna learn a lot faster by if you're if you're doing kids' cartoony comic books, you know it wouldn't hurt to go talk to the guys at Heavy Metal because they may not be doing the same thing you're doing, but you may pick something up that you wouldn't hear from a marketing or a creative standpoint that you're gonna hear from all the guys who hang out together because they like the same stuff and they're just kind of doing the same thing over again. Oh yeah, like I I go to um, sports. I, I don't follow sports at all. I don't care about sports, but I follow sports marketing. I love sports marketing, like especially like what happens around FIFA and even like um, different like sports events and like what, who's marketing there and even music events and who markets there. And I like looking into that and channeling that into like uh, what marketing I'm gonna do for a comic book store or whatever event coordinating I'm doing or what I could do differently at a convention, what they're doing. So it's like, I try to look outside of what people are doing like at your regular like comic convention, look elsewhere, like look at sports. At, what was it? I think I was following NASCAR for a little bit and see what NASCAR was doing. But um, yeah, it, it helps a lot to go see what people are doing that are outside of your market. And um, see, what was my next question? Oh, next question. Um, so reaching your audience. Um, yeah, we talked a lot about social media and reaching out to different people that you wouldn't normally work with and because there you kind of do it adopt their audience as well. Um, what do you guys do at conventions? 
<laughs> like how do you put on, do you do like the salesman thing where you go like, hi everybody, hi, fuck, fuck, or whatever, or what's your approach reaching an audience that way? And not just on the convention floor, like what do you do outside of the convention, during convention times, like dinner, so on, just networking, whatever it is. I guess with the convention, I think, uh-huh. whenever you have a product, I think if you have a book, you want to boil it down to a very short pitch, a 15 second elevator pitch I think is really important. Um, if you go to John Lehman's table, he'll tell you what the show is about in less than 15 seconds, and it's so interesting and so unique. Uh, my, I've I'm sitting next to him and you hear he'll just all day long, and I'm like, every time it's on point, and it's... Yeah, and then they end up buying it. Yeah. So I feel like that's very important, is having to boil down your story in a way that is appealing and unique and gives the potential fan or friend a glimpse into what they will, you know, expect. That's my advice. Um, the ability to not sleep for three days is really handy. <laughs> that's actually You get some weird well. energy, that weird energy. <laughs> done me well over the years. Because I've worked for people that, you know, starting up a new company and they're like, oh, we have people, they don't, they don't go out and socialize with the community that they're trying to buy into, basically. And you have to do I research. love, I mean, I'm working on, uh, if you guys, any of you heard of Con Man, it's the show Nathan Fillion announced. So I'm a producer on it this last season. And, uh, there's also a song and dance number that I do with Luke Barigno, so I apologize ahead of time for that. Um, but that whole show, that whole show, yeah, it's ridiculous. That whole show is all about embracing the community because Alan basically made a show where he's making fun of himself, but being a part of the community. And uh, I think he knew that if he had, you know, dismissed the community and called them nerds or any of the stuff that, like, when we were going around to the networks trying to get them to pick up money, he's like, no, that's not that, 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 that's the whole reason we have a show, because the whole reason I have a career is because of these people, mm-hmm. and so that was kind of the genius of what he did with Con Man, and I think that on an individual level, you all have to kind of look at this community as something you're becoming a part of if you're not already a part of it and how do you embrace it and going out and doing that so the marketing is really once again going to kind of be uh or reaching your audience it's going to be your individual way of doing it there's things you can do like you know but just just being there just you know just being available is a huge part of it being memorable uh, like wearing a hat i'll always remember you as like there's his hat i see shattered yeah there's you know it's just worked out for me over the years but uh, oh i was going back to these this company i was working for and they uh um, they didn't go to any dinners. They were just, it, it's like, it was like they were running a retail store and they're like, well, it's six o'clock, we're going back to our rooms and we're done. And they're like, oh, no, people expect to go have dinner with you or to meet you. We have freelancers. Mm-hmm. You should be, you know, taking them to dinner or out for drinks. Oh, I don't like going out. I'm like, well, you don't have to like going out. You have to go out, you know, mm-hmm. and it was, it was a miserable place to work. But, uh, <laughs> um, then I left, so it's all good now. But, uh, you know, then just, just, that's probably my, my sum up of reaching the audience. Yourself, be available, and then pick up things that work for you along the way out of that. I, the only thing I would add is just just from the the, the standpoint of doing your first um, artist alley table, let's say, right, your very first experience. When you get led into the show before the event starts, you get to walk the floor without anybody there, and it's more comfortable for people to see the booths without anybody in it than it is when people are sitting there going, hi, hi, 
I got art here, you know. Um, people like to browse and getting into, it's, there's, it's an art to understanding the psyche of the, the customer. And I was horrible at that just a year ago. And over time, I, I picked up on a lot of the, the, uh, the nuance. So the, the guy that I run my booth with, we have a conversation, we ignore the customer. They want to be ignored until they don't want to be ignored, right? And so it's, it's that, that whole thing that when you're in the department store and there's a pesky salesperson, you don't want to be that person. That's, that's probably the best advice I can give. I think um, I'm kind of the, I'm not the opposite of that. I kind of, I, I guess playing devil's advocate, but people are just walking. And I think everyone likes to be acknowledged, whether it be what they're wearing or what they're doing. But just saying hi to somebody or just reaching out and giving them a postcard or a bookmark um, changes the whole dynamic because then they have something in their hand and nobody was talking to them or they're all their face down drawing or they're talking to their booth mate. So, um, you know, sometimes just reaching out and saying, hey, you know, how's your day going? And some people just want to talk about their day, or Donald Trump, or whatever. You know, <laughs> so it's just you know. I mean, sometimes you know, if you know, you know. I mean, some I've met people that are, I just they were like elderly, like really elderly, and they bought my books because I just said something to them. You know, so you never know what's going to happen. Yeah, and doing panels I think you do too. A similar approach where yeah, just try to talk to everybody, conversations, and talk about whatever they're wearing or. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, doing panels I think is important too because then you know you hone in on these three people you probably don't even yeah. didn't see us all weekend. So yeah, it's really important to do. Yeah, awesome. So um, yeah, we'll go ahead and get started with the Q and A now. So if you have a question, raise your hand. And sorry. Uh, I think what we'll say is, for example, starting like an account on on a website or kind of like the way that you paint. Uh, what about like uh, somebody that has like, for example, a YouTube channel and then I think at the end of the day, I've seen this before, uh, where, oh, you know, follow, you can subscribe on Instagram and then I have a Facebook account and then I have a Twitter and, you know, follow me on those two, subscribe and, you know, at one point, uh, would you say that, okay, now it's too much now? Mm. You know, um. It, it all really depends. Well, first, I think one thing to make it easier for yourself where you don't have to do that is um, make sure you have the same name on everything. So if you're on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, uh, YouTube, make sure you're under the same name on all of those. And that way people get to pick which one they want to follow because everybody has their favorite social media. Like I, I love Instagram and I love Facebook. I use Twitter sometimes. <laughs> I don't like Twitter, but um, I'm trying to use it more because uh, with what I'm doing, a lot of creators do use Twitter, and a lot of them do do use that, so. Um, Deviant art if you're an artist. I mean, yeah, 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 so on. Yeah. Which is what I have, but so um, the bottom line is to make sure you have the same name and not. Mm -hmm. it, it helps yeah. to yeah, do You that. want to keep it uniform. Mm -hmm. You want it all to look alike. Are you an artist? I am one, I'm an artist, so I haven't, uh, in the process, or want to start, like, getting more into comic books, but, uh, I opened an account at Deep with DeviantArt in 2011, so it's going to be 15 years now. Okay. And I don't, I try to be as consistent as possible, but I know I don't put art as often as I should, or as I, or I, I do as often as I can. Here's, here's my answer to your question. Disney, it's going to 
buy every, they're gonna put Disney on every single one of the new emerging technologies, social media. I recommend doing the same, because they've got all the money in the world to do the research to say they don't want somebody else to have Disney Instagram or Disney Twitter, at Disney Twitter. So they, whenever a new emerging one comes out, whether you use it or not, you should claim it for your name. Because you're basically, the last thing you want is to find out later, oh, that became the thing you wanted to use, but somebody beat you to it, and now they've got Bill Smith, you know, yeah. super space or super Facebook or whatever, the next new thing. There's always gonna be a next new thing. And yeah, it's a pain in the butt keeping up with all these. So that's why you focus on YouTube or, you know, Facebook for me or Instagram for him, whoever, you know, whatever your thing is, you can do that and then you can have one of those hoot suites or whatever that spreads it out to the other ones just so they're, you know, they're, you're, you're keeping them alive. But you should claim them all if you've got, you know, if you're, if you're emerging your brand because you don't know when one's gonna, Facebook's gonna come MySpace and nobody uses it anymore and then there's the new thing and you know, you can, so you gotta, or Snapchat. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, just, I like Snapchat. Like I, I still ended up making an account for like Vine, Periscope. What was yeah. the one? Oh God, what was the one that just came out where you ask questions to people? I, I can't remember yeah. what it's called, but I even made one on that because that was like that. I was like, okay, just in case, like, gotta put my name on there just in case so nobody steals it. Yeah, there's articles you can just. I mean, you don't have to keep up with everything. You just Google every now and then and be like, what's the, you know, and it'll give you like five things you never even heard of. You're like, all right, I'm gonna be reading the account on that. Yeah, yeah. And, no and normally, like, you'll hear it on social media. Somebody's gonna be talking about it, and then it'll be a trending thing. And um, but yeah, yeah, like uh, I. It, it's good to have that to just put that out there, but um, like you were saying, like the end of YouTube channels, just so people know. But you don't have to like shove it down their throats, like make it loud. It's just like, hey, yeah. But usually, like, like for me, when I find somebody, it's like, okay, they're under this name. I'm gonna look them up on Facebook and Instagram first. But you might use Twitter more, so you might look them up on Twitter first under that name. So it's easier if you just have the same name on everything. So, next question. Yes. I was wondering, um, I was told that when it comes to people looking at your portfolio that they want to see what you do, so if you're a penciler, you do pencils, if you're an inker, you do inkers. What would you guys suggest as far as posting things on our website as far as like what kind of finished product would like the end result or a process, what would you guys say? Um, just a bit an editor, are you talking about and I, so you've been, we've been pals before, I like to keep showing up, that's good, that's hustle. Um, <laughs> If you're trying to get a job at Marvel drawing Wolverine, is, there's a different answer to this than you're trying to break in as a children's book right. illustrator doing your own book versus breaking in as a children's book illustrator drawing the next My Little Pony book versus you know, you're trying to get a job at a publisher that wants creator-owned material or the next Cyberforce issue. So you have to kind of do some research on to... So what do you, what do you want to do? Um, mostly I do pencils, but I also was trained in like classical oils. But like, what do you want to what do you want to get? What kind of work do you want to get? Ultimately, I'd like to do sort of psychological profiles about the characters and also individual like storylines. But I mean, work for hire where somebody's paying you to draw their characters, or are you looking for to publish your own book? To publish or your own you want to work for a big publisher? Yeah, I want to work for. I want to be a cog in the system. Cog in the system. Then my advice is going to be to. Uh, Submit pencils if you want to be a penciler, and look around at who else they're hiring and see if your stuff's even remotely close because it's really hard to be a standout artist with your own style if you're not already 
with an image book that everybody knows you from, they're like, oh, that guy's got his hip new style. Because the people doing the hiring 99% of the time, as far as I know, I'm still the only editor other than Randy Stradley in the last 20 years that's also been an artist. So most of the editors are people that have been told what they like. And they tend to hire based on, well, we know this guy's popular and this looks like this guy's stuff. And that guy's busy right now, or he's behind, or his grandma's sick, so we need somebody that can draw just like him in the next to do six pages worth of work. So in that regard, you're gonna wanna be as close as possible to stuff that's being published. Or you go the other route and you become so popular you're their competition and then they want you to come work for them. And then you can have your own voice. But it's a it's a hard thing to do to have your own voice and then hope that a company is going to have the foresight to see how great that would be on one of their characters when they're not foresight people. They're, they're people that kind of roll with the trends. So Yeah, I like to tell people to take their art or their book and put it next to a book they want their publisher to be. And if that doesn't look like anything, then you need to find a new publisher or change your style or kind of adapt to that. Because, you know, if you go, go to a comic book store and look at what came out that week, you're going to see a lot of the same colors. You're going to see a lot of the same kind of looking books. Yeah, because it, they want to They be, also have a brand that they're trying yeah, to follow. And so people are kind of chasing trends. So you either start your own stuff or you chase a trend and try to give the market that. And just like professional sports, I like to like use sports analogies. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, some guys are big old heavy dudes that could never drive the court and dunk. And yet they're amazing basketball coach, coaches. So there are exceptions to what I just said. There are some people that really know art, but they're not artists and couldn't draw their way out of the bag. But in general, I just want to, as an artist, that's what you're up against, is you're, you're submitting your art to people that are not artists. So you know, if you just walked up to random strangers at the mall and asked them what they thought of it, that's kind of along the lines of uh, you know, what you're dealing with. You know, they're going to go along with, you know, they like they like that particular style of artist because he's made money for them in the past and you do something similar, you have a much better shot at breaking it. So you, you, but you would recommend that like at this point probably go ahead and talk to the smaller companies like you mentioned, talk how you do work, try and work with them, how would you submit to them? Like, you know, it's the same thing. They're looking for, I mean, Henry's at Top Cow now, so he can probably talk more to the contemporary. Well, what I would say for Image and Top Cow, they are, um, you have to sell at least 4,000 comics a month. Can't sell more than four thousand comics a month. They give you the option to not publish your book, or you pay for what they cost to put it in diamond and to publish the book. So it's about four. And he's talking about doing your your own book on this so, side, right? Yeah, side yeah. So you gotta. So if you want to be, if you want to um, draw a book, you have to draw your own book and get it out there. And if you want to be a um, someone who works for these companies, you have to make relationships with the editors, and because they're going to hire somebody they like and somebody they want to work with, and someone's work they like. So it's 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 building a relationship through making good work. And he just brought up something really important, which is, you know, as good as you might be, if I've got two other guys on the other line that I've worked with that are also out of work and they're pros, and I work with them, I'm, well, that's your competition. If all the other people that are already in the business doing that style. So you have to, it's really, it's, a, it's such a, this is horrible advice, because it's basically like you have to toe the line, but really stand out. 
<laughs> that, that's the so reality. That's where it gets it challenging. No yeah. <laughs> so you've got to be just like everybody else, but better, but not so much better that you're different. You know? Yeah. Yeah, they're 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 very focused on, on trying to find a look that is along the lines of something they've seen. So, so real quick though, if I'm a penciler, would I just stick with pencil drawing? Yes. Or would I get the finished product? Oh, you would only do the finished product if it was so indicative of the way you work. Like, uh, do you guys know Francesco Francavilla's work? So mm -hmm. I did Francesco's first paid work. Um, I'm an artist. I was like, this guy's. Awesome. I had to fill out so much paperwork to get him hired because they were just like, he doesn't draw like anybody. And I'm like, I know. But he kind of draws like Joe Kubert, who created 90% of the characters that you, you know, we make at this company. Who's Joe Kubert? Just punch me in the face now. <laughs> so it was, uh, it was a lot of work getting hired. But Francesco basically just kind of stick figures and then he draws with the inks. So there isn't a pencil version of Francesco. There's just Francesco drawing with inks. So that because it was so his thing, and he had the right editor in the right situation, and plus he had done some image books, so I was able to say, like, look, this guy can hit a deadline, he's done these books, um, I was able to get it hired. So, but that's such a rare exception to the rule. It's so much more likely that you're gonna get hired if you have pencils that look like somebody else. I can go to my boss and say, like, this guy's totally flaming out, like I found this guy, and he draws just like Flame Out Boy, and he's new, so he's like a knight the price. They love that. So, uh, you know, that's, that's, that's really, yeah, pencils. Mm -hmm. oh, uh, next question. You have time for, oh, go for it. Uh, what, uh, individually, what social media do you guys like best? Which, which is the um, one that gives you the bang for your buck? I, um, so social media has been changing a lot. There's a few, I, I like Instagram and Facebook a lot. Facebook um, has, been kind of difficult, like when doing a, um, your own artist page. It, it has some pluses and some negatives. It, for one, they're making you pay for advertisements, but the advertisements are actually pretty good. Because I think about it, it's like, okay, I'd rather spend, uh, what, 20 bucks for a couple weeks and they're gonna advertise it for me and that's like time that I don't have to spend on it. And it, and it has helped like me reach an audience that way. That's different than buying likes, because I've never done that. <laughs> That's totally different, but it does um, like send out like uh, advertisements to people. And um, it, it also, everybody has a Facebook, so everybody knows to go to Facebook first. And I like Instagram because um, just the attention span that everybody has right now, <laughs> when it comes to like being on your phones and what you see, a picture speaks louder than words. So um, usually a picture, you see it, you got it, you could like it, and it sticks in your head, and then people follow hashtags too. So you could hash use hashtags on there, and especially if you're an artist, um, I, I follow artists on Instagram more than I ever did on Facebook. And um, yeah, so those are my two. And you know what, I was gonna add that before we go into our image, it's different too, if you're a writer or if you're an artist, what I read, like Instagram, Tumblr, if you're an artist. It just it conveys who you are. Yeah. Writers, you should be on Twitter a lot. I know it seems ridiculous that like you should be writing more, but it, I, the writers that I know that have gotten really successful over the last you know five years, they've got they've built these huge followings of people that just like their voice, they like to hear. Whereas people, when That's you post like your writers. art to Twitter, it's not this, you're not reaching the same people as you do with Instagram. So I, I think it depends what you want to do, which one's the focus. Yeah, I think. Uh, are you trying to make money, or are you trying to get 
It would be nice. But. So like, you need a website where people can buy stuff from you. You need to have a way to get people to come give you their money. So that's the like frame, and then the, everything kind of just feeds down through a visual medium like Instagram and Tumblr. And if you're a writer, Twitter, you have to read it because it's text-based. So Twitter's good. And then if you want to, Facebook is more of like where you get your community to kind of rally behind you and share it and like it and comment and engage. And then you got, uh, you know, you, there's just so many different ways. It depends on what you're trying to get out of it. So I think he's just yeah. doing the, the YouTube. YouTube because that's, it's a lot more work, but it's, I think that one actually reaches. Oh yeah. That's what I was going to yeah. say is that I didn't, I didn't pick YouTube, it kind of picked me because I, the reason I was doing YouTube is I, I'm an educator. I teach at a university, but I also teach online. I have cards because want one. Um, and I, I started doing YouTube because I was getting asked these questions on email, and I would get asked the same questions, and it was very inefficient to type out an answer. So it's like if I just make a video, I can send a link. And that's how my YouTube started. But then after that, when I started having other things to sell, like books and promoting my online school, it was, a, it was an amazing platform to be able to just tell people rather than a tweet or something and show people. Like I've gone on, my, on, on our website, on our online school, and shown my YouTube subscribers how to use the school and things like that. So it, it's extremely powerful. But again, I've seen people try to use YouTube because they're like, well, this is, they, they've seen other people do really well with it, but they don't have anything to say. So I think the first thing to do is have something to share that's really good on YouTube first, and, and you have to love it, or else it's it's not going to last, and you're not going to be able to make it part of your routine. You know? Also, be very comfortable with putting stuff out there and not getting any response for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that that yeah. also goes into like being consistent. Consistent, <laughs> sorry, because <laughs> um yeah, like I I try to make sure I post every single day. Sometimes I'll get some posts that don't get any likes. Sometimes I'll get some that get a like a ton of likes or responses but also make sure you don't get too lost in that either like don't like don't get too lost in like searching just for those likes just like keep putting what what's out there and what you love and being like genuine about it and um yeah but be consistent making sure people know you exist <laughs> keep them in their head you want to keep the type the top of mind awareness with people and yeah it's it's not always the this rule I mean, I mean, but the, the metrics of when to post. You know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, like, some days you're going to get way more responses than on other days. Like Mondays are traditionally the worst day. So everybody's so focused on getting back to work and like, oh crap, I really got behind over the weekend. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not a great day to post anything. Weekends, usually the best, depending on the industry. If it's comics, Wednesday's a great day because everybody's. And also the time of yeah. day, too. Yeah. Like you could actually look it up online. You could Google, um, like, best times to post on social media and there's actually like um, people that I, I did it before when they before they even did this but there's um they'll show the best times where there's the most activity on Facebook and so on and actually um, Instagram has this new cool thing where if you um, you could turn your Instagram into a business page and you get insights on your activity so it'll show you um, like a if you have more of a female or male audience and their age and, their age and where they're from, so you have more of a Tucson following, LA following, or what it is, and then it'll show you the time of day you have the most activity from people liking stuff. So like, uh, usually it's around 
five o'clock and like 10 p.m. <laughs> like people respond and see more on there. So it's a, it's a cool thing. And I have Facebook has the same thing too. So, all right, I think we have time for one more question. Quick one, go for it. Um, how do you promote your page on this on the different websites? I have set up pages, but I don't know. Do you follow people on Twitter and then they follow you? Um, it, it, do you like yeah. ask little quick buttons for promoting on Facebook? Does that work? What is it that we do to get well, um, what you do is on like on Instagram and Facebook is yeah you do make your page interact with people like go follow artists go and follow follow people that follow those artists and see what they're what what they're liking what their conversations go and like respond like you have to be interactive yeah, and that friends yeah if you hate people. Yeah, <laughs> it's a, it's a reason why like I'm not saying you need It's a reason why big companies do have social media people because it does it does take a lot of time doing this stuff. It's why I did uh, marketing for comic book stores like it does take a lot of time to do all this. Like you could try to do it all yourself. Well, like I mean, like they could, but yeah, you just um yeah just stay interactive whenever you can. Like sometimes I try to spend like an hour a day just kind of like seeing what's going on and so all right I think we are done here everybody tell where they could find you out on the comic floor and also on any social medias uh, artist alley well, artist down Ali, yeah, just say same, same, well, Henry, where are we at? Uh, a, I'm AA119, but I'm leaving, but you can find me on Twitter at Henry Brothers. I'm at Shannon. And, uh, you know, something I was going to get before we get in her, hers is uh, all of you uh, had an opportunity today to, you know, take pictures and tweet that you were here too, or Facebook that you were here, and then tag everybody. And when we all go home and fly off to wherever we're from, mm -hmm. we have a reminder of who you are. So that's something you should be doing at every panel you go to and every time you have an opportunity to promote. Sure, it's, once again, it's going back to shouting out something else, but it, then it also gives access to us to who you are because right now you're faces and we're going to leave and uh, you know who you guys are. Yeah, yeah, sure that's what's good. Like sometimes I'll even just like hand my phone to people. It's like, here, put your Instagram in there. Follow me, follow me. And it's like, do that. But yeah, and I am, where am I? I'm at AA27. And you can find me on everything under 10 times the tiger. <laughs> so, awesome. Thank you. Thank you guys. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Creative Play and Podcast Network. And feel free to enjoy our other shows, such as D&D Journey of the Fifth Edition and Scion Ragnarok and Roll, a Scion hero to Ragnarok story. Thank you for listening.